Hello and welcome. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. My name is Shay Ryan Douglas, and in this series, we explore community connection, optimal human potential, and transformational collective growth through inspiring stories and conversations with a diverse range of people who are working towards positive change in the world. This is really exciting, and I hope you enjoy this episode. To get the full video versions of all the interviews on this podcast, please visit earthheroestv.com and I'd greatly appreciate it if you took the time to like, share and subscribe. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this episode. G'day folks, my name is Shay Ryan Douglas from Earth Heroes TV, the conscious evolving independent media platform and I'm with Jason Reynolds today from the Quantum Movement. Really excited to have this conversation again with you Jason, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Shay. It's been a little while and, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. It's been a lot happening that I think this is really relevant too. Yeah, awesome. I love these conversations because we usually dive deep into these aspects of, you know, finding deeper senses of freedom and liberation in ourselves and exploring what it really means to go down the pathway of true sovereignty and also, mostly importantly, personal governance. And in today's conversation what we had um, aimed to discuss is this idea of generational independence or generational freedom and it's quite a big and wide expansive topic and I know Jason has the capacity to go deep into those areas but when looking at the present moment um, particularly what's happening right now in the world and in ourselves we're presented with an amazing opportunity I feel to make a choice in our everyday life with consistent practice to really discover at deeper depths what it takes to be liberated in ourselves. And so, Jason, I'm curious um, for this conversation to really really unravel. And I've got a few questions prepared for you, actually. But when what would you suggest holds most people back particularly like looking at intergenerational trauma, for example, and, um, you know, always kind of playing the victim and blaming, you know, their ancestral lineage or their upbringing or, you know, where their parents came from or um, the challenges that come with having a mother and father who ultimately are never going to be perfect and, and not taking the responsibility themselves, but always looking outside of themselves to have a point of reference to have an excuse for the mistakes and the mishaps of what's happening right now in their current current life when things aren't going well. Yeah. Um, well, some of the things that I suppose I've spoken before and I suppose not hidden away from is the many pillars of society that have been presented to us as, as um, points of knowledge or expertise or even um, authority. Um, psychology is one of the, the things that I believe is, is one of the greatest scourges on this earth. Um, not to say that there's not great people that practice or explore or go into that space, but the very nature of psychology is to look to problems and to look to the incomplete nature of what we are. And it's, ultimate at its very conception is a denial of the soul um in more modern times they've tried to i suppose realign that but it still comes from a place of dysfunction and opposition to what we truly are so psychology you know looks a lot of the times at at our being a product of the environment that we live in i think there could be no greater mistruth than that And, and when we consider ourselves as a product of an environment it is a very acceptance that we are a victim. We're the result of other people's actions. And there couldn't be anything further from the truth. But if that is our truth, that we believe or buy into the idea that we're a product of something else, whether that's a God, whether that's something beyond our own self that we don't have control in, we're only going to maintain ourselves as the victim. So I think at the root of all of this is is humility and the ability to accept in our own lives our own starting point of ignorance. And for me, I think it's, it's something that I try to practice a lot is that I assume that I'm always starting from ignorance. Because if I'm not, I'm then well ahead of where I am. But if I accept that I'm starting from a place of complete and pure ignorance, I'm not buying into 
the things that I know that, that I assume were the same as I experienced them previous to this moment. Now, for a lot of us, we're still trying to fix and resolve things that happened to us in the past. That, that will never, ever be resolved. As we grow and we resolve or we assume to resolve something through some conversation with someone outside of us or through some coming together and peace being brought to a relationship, we assume that we've found some level of resolution. Until we resolve the actual experience in our own life, and, and a common one is, you know, what our parents did or did not do, provided or did not provide for us in some way. And for many of us, we're, we're waiting in some form to find this idealistic idea of that relationship with our parents that acknowledges or validates us in some form. The child within us that's lost, the child within us that, that's still looking for answers, that was hurt, that was traumatized in some way, is going to be maintained while we consistently keep believing that someone else did something to us. When we come into an acceptance of where we are right in this moment, it's then that we can go back to that particular child and reintegrate it within us. It's not That child's not there to be accepted by anyone else. Ultimately, it's there to be accepted by our own self. And part of the challenge that, that has existed and where the real breaking down of this particular experience of life has happened through external control measures is this idea of an expertise outside of us. And we as individuals generationally have been set up to work from something called trial and error. It's very rare for an individual to be brought up in, in, an, in an ecosystem of life where our parents actually sit down before they actually start to put information upon us or opinions or perspectives that other people have knowledge. It's very rare that an individual is brought up in a space to first understand themselves, to develop discernment, to develop awareness, to develop an experience and a receiving of pleasure in their own life. But more importantly, also how to deal with the things that they don't agree with or don't resonate with at any particular point in time. Because what it requires of the parent is first to understand themselves. Now, we can, we can sit in a life in judgment. I wish that it was like this. I wish people were more that way. If it was just like that, things would have been different. We can do that. And we, for many of us, we do that so much in our life and look to things of how they could have been better. 2020 vision into the past. Rather than the acceptance at this particular point of those things don't exist. And now how can I as an individual start to change that? Because if I'm going to share something with someone that is most dear to me, that is most important to me, let's just say my child. I have to first understand that in myself. I have to first recognize if I'm going to share something of great wisdom with someone I care and love, I'm going to have to be living and embodying that in my own life. Because there's something that's very significant from the speaking of words compared to teaching and creating a legacy in life which changes awareness in all people beyond that point. We're all aware of that when we say something to someone that often they don't listen or they don't seem to take on what it is that we have to share. But when it is that we are the embodiment of our own words and what it is that we're saying is what we're doing and what we're being at each particular moment, those words will ring true. They will run deep and they will at times trigger but they will stimulate something in another individual to actually be able to receive that because the message that has been delivered is congruent. It is embodied and it is authentic. It is the same as its words as it is in its action. It's one. It's a complete message. For many of us, we've fallen into the trap of giving advice, giving information, talking of things that could be better whilst we don't live that in our own life. And therefore, for many of us, we've, we've created this experience of living from a place of wishing or projection of what it could be, what it should be if everything was perfect. 
the the real simplicity of that is like you were saying before at this present moment until we can come to accept this present moment in our own life as we created it until we can accept that we are the creator of the very thing that we experience at this moment we will continue to become in opposition will be continue to become shaped will be continue to become suppressed and victimized by it once we accept and take full responsibility and responsibility is not blame it wasn't me that hit me that abused me but i'm the only one that can change my relationship with it moving forward it doesn't matter what someone else did it's when i find the truth and the presence and the love within my own self that i decide that no longer will i wait for someone else to change it but it's up to me and for many of us the environment around us doesn't provide for that again we can complain about it or we can create something different and a big part of what's going on in the world recently and as we look to you know this habit of looking for validation in the people around us we continue to keep ignoring ourselves continue to keep skipping over what we really are and then we buy into concepts philosophies and stories about the way it should be but when we get really down to our own despair to our own confrontation it's our ability to be able to stay in that space if required in order to own it so that we can change it because if we don't own it we will never change it i kind of use the example that we we, we could rent a home and we could want the walls to change and we could want anything to be different in that place but it's about waiting for other people to approve that before we can do it when we own the house if we want to knock the wall down if we want to put a hole in a wall it's up to us we do that but until we own our own environment nothing in it will change and we'll consistently stay in a state of waiting we'll talk to the generations and why that happened it was their generation and what they did it's what happened 100 years ago it's all irrelevant it's all insignificant because once we get past those stories and those reasons and the why we start to come into the how and that's where we start to engage all of the disowned parts of what we are into creation in this moment and i would say that the reason why we we sit in victimization of the habits that we maintain in all the areas of our life we we can't do one thing one way and expect to do it different in another way if we are waiting if we are the victim or if we believe we're the result of other people's actions that will continue to play out in all areas of our life and for many of us there may be a lot of confusion as where do i even start and ultimately that's the, that's the key question you start exactly where you are but the real key in generational liberation and generational wisdom is understanding the very empowerment of the how to and how do i then do it my way for many of us we don't even have the opportunity in our own life or even give ourselves the space to even ask that question how do i want to do this my way we may walk that path for a short period of time until we get to a point where we'll we can't because we don't have this capacity we don't have that ability we don't have that relationship or we don't have that resource and we stop there rather than again asking or well, how would i and that then brings us back to the the very core of our own existence which is just us in asking ourselves and receiving the information from us for ourselves in order to move forward from it and keeping the simplicity of becoming and being our own authority it's not to control anything but it's to bring a liberation to our own truth in our own direction in the way that we determine our life that we stop making our parents as good as they were as bad as they were they were what they were and expecting them to love the child that we still don't love our own self we've got to rescue we've got to be the one that actually parents that child that embodies it back within us because as we become adults Many of us have forgotten what it's like to be a child. We've forgotten about pleasure, we've forgotten about adventure, we've forgotten about joy, we've forgotten about just doing something for our own indulgence and pleasure. And we've become adulted. And that is without the child. Until we actually go back and integrate and come to accept those particular things that happened at that time, whether I was aware or not, they were my decisions, they were my choices, they were my interactions. at this greater state of awareness and wisdom if i choose to gain that if i choose to explore it that i can resolve that and then become complete 
And from that state of completion, that's not a space to aspire to. That's just a starting point. But for many of us, and the sad thing is, just getting to that starting point seems to be some aspiration of liberation in our life. And that's why many of us stop at the starting point and never release ourselves from what's happening around us because this point of liberation has become the actual starting point of our own existence, to be complete, to be present to who we are at any particular point in time because it's from that stage that we genuinely create. And when I say create, I don't mean innovate or improve upon what's already there. I mean create something that has never been. And this is not something that happens in a moment of awareness in, in, a, in a journey that's brought by some psychedelic experience. This isn't about a consistency and a discipline and discipline just being your own follower. Having a structure, which is by your own organization and determination. Structure and discipline will bring freedom, but structure and discipline your way, not buying into the structures and disciplines of others. So victimization at its, at its most base is being the result or believing it the result of something else outside of you. That's so good, Jason. Um, I hope people who are watching you are taking some notes as I am. You know, you've dropped so many great valuable tools in that, just that little snippet, you know, just from adulting our own inner child. Um, I think that's so powerful. And then also looking at, you know, starting, always starting from a place of ignorance. And I just want to share a quick little story on that um, that I heard over the weekend from one of the local um, yoga teachers here on the Sunshine Coast, Gwen Williams. But he basically shared this story about there was these two people, a guy and a girl, and they both got a full bag of cookies. Uh, they had one each and they decided to put one away and they started tucking into this bag of cookies and they were just chowing them down, you know. And for a while there, the girl was thinking, oh, my God, um, he keeps going back for all of these cookies. Like he's eaten so many of my cookies. And so she would take one and he would take one too. And she's thinking, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that he's eating all of my cookies, right? And, and then they get down to the last cookie in the bag. And so she looks at him and he goes in to grab it. He grabs the cookie, snaps it in half, gives her half, and he eats half. And she's thinking, oh, my God, he's just he didn't even save me the last one. He's eaten half of my, the last cookie of my bag. Anyway, <clears throat> they go on, the bag of cookies finished, and then she hops on the bus to head out and she looks into her bag and what does she find? Her whole bag of her own cookies. So this whole time they were eating his and she didn't even realize. And, and the purpose of that story, just to tie it into what Jason's been sharing, is this negative bias that we have that has been part of our you know, development as human beings to be on survival mode and look out for the dangers or look out for the negatives. And we pick up on them very quickly And our own inner self-talk and our own mentality can often sit there and, and, you know, find all of the things that are wrong, all of the things that are going bad or, you know, that inner talk of saying how negative something is in the moment when really without realizing that, as Jason had said, we are ignorant to what the truth actually really is. And, um, and realizing how abundant that we actually have it. And I think having that perspective to remind ourselves, as Jason said, you know, as a reminder to, to always remain as a starting point, recognize that we are ignorant to actually what's, what is real and what's around us. I think it's really, really quite powerful. Um, but I, I, I can, also go ahead, Dave. I can just share something into that. It's new, new age philosophy spirituality in the last number of generations has got a lot to answer for and probably more to answer for than the pillars of society because it's been all spawned from the same thing many of us believe that the mind or have transferred the mind to be the concept of what the soul is or what they're connected to the mind is the opposition to the soul it's something that's been created by the league of men to actually supplant within people this idea of knowledge and wisdom that they're buying into this powerful thing called the mind. The mind doesn't exist. The mind is the avoidance of the soul. And what the mind does is based upon knowledge and information that is and that may be. But it's all based upon our particular relationship to that ourselves from a place of disconnection to what we are. 
the, the, the comforting part of the mind is that, you know, we, we can be intuitive in the mind. Intuition is just how we receive information and interpret the unseen into a conversation within our own selves. Many people in, in what I've experienced in, in spiritual circles are talking about the mind when they're, well, they're talking about the soul, but they're actually connected to the mind. It's the collective that they're buying into. It's the commonality they're buying into in the opposition to their own independence. The problem is being present to the soul. Is a soul is only here to bring pleasure and growth and expansion of our own life. Now, just to consider this as an individual and, and each person can determine it for themselves. If you were to sit in your own space, no one else was there, it was just you. And you started to gain an awareness that came through to you that was very profound and specific about how your particular actions, how your particular creation is going to change the world. And every single thing within this world is relying upon you standing forward and exposing your own authenticity and the brilliance of what you are and every particular part of it. That might be a nice message to receive. But it is not one that many people action because it seems to be so profoundly fantastical that, well, how would I even do that? What's that even about? I don't even have an example of it. But what the mind will bring is logic. What the mind will bring is an idea to fit into the current narrative, into the current system, into the current level of society to remain comfortable. The mind keeps you at ease with other people in being validated by other people. But the soul is about your independence. It's about the very unique capacity of what you are as an individual and being able to expose and express that in a way that may be inconvenient, unconventional, and even offensive to others because it is you bringing attention to yourself to bring the glory through you in the way it was intended in this individualized experience of yourself. The mind is the space that exists between the delamination between the physical and the energetic when we identify them as two different things. The wholeness of our own being in a state of integration is the mind doesn't exist. There is no two reference points. There is no two things on each shoulder. And when we start to see the energetic and the physical as separate things, even by our own distinction, we oppose ourselves by bringing in the mind compared to the soul. The greatest thing for all of us in understanding is understanding. It's what stands beneath us. It's the foundation upon which we stand. And for many of us, we don't have that foundation, that thing that we can refer to at any particular point in our own life and our own reference to say that this is true and determined by me. To be able to do that, to have what some may consider audacity, to even consider that. Because whether you buy into any form of hierarchy, a God, an ascended master, with complete assumption and ignorance without an understanding within your own self as to what you are, you're already becoming the victim. And, it, and it's this trapping of the mind. The mind is powerful, but it doesn't even provide a light to what is within us and what is the soul that we were born and brought into in this particular space. To me, the first function is coming to understand that coming to accept that, but first of all, releasing from all the conditioning that we've been subjected to, not by a victim, but by being empowered to recognize, fuck, I have been conditioned. I don't watch the news anymore, but I listen to it on Telegram because that's a more you know, authentic way of doing it. It's the same thing. Stop listening to anything outside of yourself and start to buy into your own news cycle within you. Become present to that. Find love in you and you'll find love in everywhere around you. For many of us, we're looking for love outside of ourselves. But yet we don't have it within us. So then we can never identify it. We find ourselves in relationships that don't serve us. And we have to wait until we get to a breakdown before we go, geez, I better do something about this. We don't need to get to a breakdown. There's a simpler way. And a simpler way for me starts with releasing but first accepting how ignorant we are and having the humility to be able to laugh at our own irony of what we're actually chasing after when it's right in front of us. Yes, that's so true. Power of humility is so, so important to remember. There's a couple of things, little um, kind of segues that I want to go down with you, Jason, based on what you just shared. 
<clears throat> in the kind of open and I hope we've got the time for it. But basically this idea of uh, I really want to explore, you know, um, the analogy that you use was when someone rents something versus when they own it. And obviously many of our listeners probably tuning in right now are well aware of the current agenda that's taking place that is going to, um, you know, do this, do the double switch on everyone to make them sit in the position where they uh, perceive that they don't own anything and they'll be happy about it. So, and recognizing, you know, when, when we take full ownership of ourselves, that's when we can essentially, you know, have that acceptance of who we are based upon recognizing that we are not perfect and we do have faults and we're, you know, always doing our best. And that's where the humility piece comes in. But I'm curious to get your perspective on it. But before I do, I also, the other area that I want to, um, I really want to go down, which you've kind of mentioned a lot in the first talk was the, the importance of raising younglings in the world, which I think would be a great place to finish on how we can do that by, you know, leading by example as an adult, by remembering that, you know, we've got to take care of that child in ourselves as much as we've got to take care of our own younglings. But first, I'm curious to go down that, that journey a little bit more in depth around um, the piece on ownership, you know, because there's, there's so much more responsibility. And for any, anyone who's a business owner out, out there will know that, you know, what it takes to run a business. For example, if you're, um, let's just use the example of an ice cream business. If you run an ice cream business, you don't just you don't just make ice cream. You got to market and sell and you know build relationships. And there's so many different facets out there that I often at times think it's you know underrated. Most people go on the entrepreneurial journey, but they underrate how important it is to just have a job where you turn up and do what you're told, and then go home and get paid. But going down and owning a business, the responsibility that's required because it's almost like seven days a week, you, you got, you're always thinking about it because you've, if the business isn't um, successful, then, you know, it's up to you as an individual to take full ownership of every department and every aspect of it for it to, you know, come off. So um, I'm just curious what your, what your insights are on that, that ownership piece and, you know, versus renting and, um, you know, realistically, if, if you know, w- what's going to unfold in the next few years around that if people do submit to, you know, giving away all their, their possessions? Because it seems like throughout the, through, throughout the ages we have essentially had some sense of, um, you know, you know, owning our clothing or our little patch of land and maybe what I've what I've learned from the indigenous people of the land here in Australia one of the oldest living cultures is that they have this sense of belonging as a custodian as opposed to owning and um, having you know having the rights to but it seems that it's coming to this point now where it's becoming quite you know prevalent in not just the wording, but in the way that we're navigating who's, you know, who's responsible. <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. It's, um, uh, uh, first thing to take ownership of is our own narrative, I'd say. And um, it, it doesn't matter where we are at this particular point. It doesn't matter what information is presented to us. It doesn't matter what we think or, or what we currently possess or don't possess. When it gets down to the rubber hitting the road and we actually start moving forward, the, the, the end result is a relationship with ourselves. The problem is that that's usually the end result. We wait until things break down before we realize that's the end result. The relationship with ourselves is, is all about trust. And trust is just one thing. Action is trust in motion. When we act upon something, when we consent to something, when we do something, it is a demonstration of trust. When we pick up the glass and we put water in it, we trust that glass to hold that water in order to bring it to our mouth to drink it. 
when we go to the car, we trust it to such an extent when we turn the key that it's going to start, that it's going to get us to where we're going. But the real trust that is existent is trust within our own self to continue to keep moving forward in our life towards our own completion. If we don't trust ourselves, we're going to be defined by what other people are presenting to us. So when someone comes forward with a plan to say that you will own nothing and you'll be happy, if we don't trust within ourselves because they're more organized, we'll eventually buy into it by our own compromise and incremental decree of our own life. So I hear these things. I, I used to be probably more present aware of them, but I have no interest, no insight, no no presence to it whatsoever because I find every particular every particular investment that I make into anything to do with what other people are suggesting is in opposition to me. If I am following my own path and those things come across it, when I start to fight, create such a beacon in my own life to becoming so clarified in what I'm doing, other people will find me. This is where things like marketing can provide a false sense, a false readiness in order to run a business or run an organization. Because when you embody what you are, people will come to you because of that is obvious and authentic within them. It's all, you know, it's a, it's a repeating pattern. Until we understand ourselves, until we actually go down a place of releasing ourselves from the things that have determined or told us what we are and that we've accepted, until we release from that, until we understand with grace how to let go of that, until we find a greater importance and significance in our own self, all of those things will continue to keep being a part of our life. I mean, I look at the recent election in Australia and it was never going to be any different. But I look at all of the energy and the resource and the sum total of that that was put into this conception and fantasy that people have trying to change the world around them. They're stepping into someone else's house. They're playing by their rules. It's their game. You can't come into my house and start telling me how to live in my own house. I know where the things are in my house. I know how to best run that house. I know where all the plates, where all the tools or the resources are in that place. No one can run that house better than me. Now, when you step into a political arena and you're stepping into a space where you want to take control of it and you want to change it and you want to fix people because they're being corrupt, they're being mean, they're being whatever it is and doing all the other horrific things, life is horrific in its own way if you focus upon that. And there is horror going on no matter how brilliant we are in our own life. People will die, there will be horror, there will be evil, there will be trauma, and it's always going to happen. The thing is, we've got to find a humility in our own self to find a certainty in what we want to create as a legacy beyond this moment. Otherwise, we're going to get caught up in fixing. And until we can actually pull ourselves away from the TV, from the narrative, from the method, and actually find our own way, find a community that actually is driven towards creation. One that is not buying into, let's improve what's already there. It's sustaining the same cycle. It's on a puppet on the same string. This is a big part of the whole waking up of generational liberation is to start in your own life, start at home and how to raise children will be in the exact way that you want to raise yourself. But how committed are you to doing that? How much space do you commit to and provide each week for that? How many times do you compromise your family or the things that are important to you because there's something important you have to do? What we have in our own life that's an endless resource is that is never not available to is ideas, inspirations. They're there forever. We don't need to go looking for them. They're always there. What we don't afford ourselves is space. So I'm sure that everyone's got obligations in their life. They've got things that they're currently in, in the ignorance of where I've got to at this particular point. I've got bills, I've got obligations, and I've got all of these things. So first thing would be to organize whatever it is in that particular way so that I don't need to keep buying into it. Get organized financially. Get organized spiritually. Get organized physically. Get organized in such a way that sustains those obligations and you become more masterful in that organization so it takes up less time and space in your life be structured and disciplined in that area. 
but find it from your soul, not from logic. And once that is structured and organized, then we suddenly have space outside of that. Let's just say that you determined you only had 30 hours a week for all of that in your life and you had to become masterful and brilliant at doing so and it was no more than 30 hours. But you allowed another 60, 70 hours of your week to be all about creating. Not allowing the creating to interrupt the obligations that you have. Let them be sustained and maintained in whatever they are. Become present to them. Become responsible to them. Understand them. But keep them over there. But then have a very definitive line as far as the other 60 hours or whatever I thought myself, even five hours a week, that is all about me transitioning into a greater state of creation in my own life. Because if I don't own the space, if I don't create the space, nothing will ever change. And the problem is with space is it comes back to what I was mentioning before. It gets down to not the why, but the how. How will I do that? And then when another inspiration comes, we don't need any more go and find your why before you do what you're doing. There's thousands of whys. You find a why, you find another why. There's many people out there that are trying to convince people that the reason they're not fulfilled is because they don't know their why. Your why is going to grow as you grow in your relationship with yourself. What you need to understand is the how-to but the how-to your way, not following someone else's method or methodology. And when you start to do that and you start to become engaged in that, it doesn't matter what some person from some forum around the world is going to do. And when that becomes instigated within all of us, as we're already aware of, it's hidden in plain sight in front of us. It takes 1% of people to change, to create change, to organize change, not to control others. That should never be the intention, but... If you want to really create a change in your life, it has to start with you by doing the 1% in your life to start to create space because space is the greatest gift that we've got. It's available to us in every particular part of our own life. How we choose to use it demonstrates our current relationship with ourselves. I had a lady I was speaking to last night and, you know, it was in a, a quite a you know, a challenging space. But what people don't realize when they get into those challenging spaces is how strong and how significant they actually are to actually be aware that they don't want to live the way that they were, to stop playing the game of everything's okay and placating themselves. I oh, know I can deal with this. I'll get through it. It'll all be all right. We'll see what happens. That's the way life goes. All of that crap, rather than a certainty in life to get out of the fluff of consciousness, but into awareness, into presence, into the taking of action in your own life through a soulful expression that creates things of great significance, not continues a conversation of wisdom and intrigue and interest that doesn't actually do anything except create more information to consider in the absence of my own authentic expression of my life in my way. And when you do that, business becomes an extension of you, mm. not an obligation. When you do that, a relationship becomes fulfilling within you because it's a part of you. It's an extension of you. It's not a role that you separate from your own self that you hope is going to bring you some sort of validation or fulfillment. You're the only one. We are the only ones that can fulfill our own self. No one else can do that. Mm. But while we continue to keep buying into habits of looking, for other people to provide us with answers, to provide us with certainty. I mean, we were just saying this morning, sometimes the greatest realisation and the most liberating realisation, if it's acted upon, is just a simple thing. I don't trust myself. Because it doesn't matter what I might say, what anyone else might say, what book you may read. Until you can develop the ability to trust yourself, all of that information is manipulation. You've got to be able to bring it back to your own self and not just go, I think that would work or I'd like to do that. There needs to be a definitive point within your own selves where I ask, I receive, I act. Now, to do that at this particular point for many of us is confusing because it brings up all the other stuff that's in contradiction to that. And that's where releasing is so important. If we want to release from where we are now, We've got to recognize that as we go to transcend, as we go to move into a different space and an aspiration of our own life, of a vision, a dream, an idea that we want to live, 
That's not meant to happen right now. It's there. It's a possibility. But first of all, I have to be present to this particular moment that I need to reorganize, that I need to give space and patience to myself in a definitive and a direct way to release all the things that keeps me looping back around in opposition to me and what I am, what I've become. But we've got to have the discipline and the structure to do that. And that's, I mean, that to me is, is my perspective on it, that that's my role and that's what I dedicate my life to is <clears throat> people stopping the, the conversations of, the entertaining conversations of intrigue of what's out there. It's, um, I'm sick of hearing about, you know, the come and see my thing, this person overcame this particular illness or sickness. Did it happen every time? No, it didn't. If it didn't happen every time, it's random and you don't understand it. Until it happens every single time, the thing that you're teaching is not true. It's an entertainment value. It's not an actual teaching. It's not an actual wisdom. It's not something that people can integrate and grow from. To me, you know, I've probably hit him back a lot in, in what I want to share because at the same point, getting to a stage where until it works all the time, and I would say that's the most confronting thing that I experience when I'm sharing with people in a, in a, in a growth space is that when you present something that works all the time, there's nowhere to hide. And the only thing that they'll end up finding is themselves. But the challenge with that is untethering and letting go of the commonality of community that exists around you. Getting caught up in what you would have to release and let go of. If you still want to keep complaining about the government and the corruption that exists in that area, well, how are you going to deal with electricity? How are you going to deal with security and, and police forces? Something goes wrong. What happens if there's a fire? Do you have all of those things in such a way where you want to complain about aspects or are you going to release the whole thing and actually put yourself in a position to create something that is a legacy that causes you to actually go through the inconvenience in this moment to create a legacy and a generational wisdom beyond this that actually provides a structure and a creation that many people can benefit from beyond your lifetime, not just dealing with the minute issues that we have made big things in our life, the trauma from my past. It's not a big thing. It's only an absence to this present moment. And I would suggest for some people, it's challenging the traumas they have, but it's only because in regard to, there is not something more significant that I'm allowing myself to accept, explore and create in my own life. There becomes a point in everyone's life when they start to do that. And the trauma that they went through is insignificant and irrelevant because they come into a state of creation, which is the very basis of our own existence. If we're not plotting our way towards that, we're moving away from it and moving into victimization and being the result of other people's actions. That's so good, Jason. Thanks for sharing. And I'm sure those who are listening into this right now are also finding value in this conversation. If you are, just let us know in the comment section what stands out the most for you and what Jason's been sharing this morning. And if you actually have any questions, um, feel free to drop them in the, the comment section as well because we're going to continue to unpack a little bit further, you know, this aspect of, um, you know, following our own inner soul calling and um, and embodying that to be the example for the next generation for younglings to come come of age. And I just wanted to share one quick story again on that piece where um, there was, you know, grade grade two students in the classroom and the teachers, it was a art class and the teacher said, okay, um, kids, it's time to draw something that comes into inspiration for you. And this one kid started drawing and the teacher said, what are you drawing? Um, Johnny, what are you drawing back there? And he said, I'm drawing God. And the teacher says, well, what do you mean you're drawing God? No, no one knows what God looks like. And so we, Johnny gets up and he says, well, they will in a minute, miss, and continues on drawing, you know. So I think there's something to say about the, the, um, the curiosity that young children have that is alive within us, that child in us that has this curiosity and this, um, you know, imagination that's possible to create, whether it's whether we know it to be certain or whether it's uncertain. And it's, it's something so expansive as, as, you know, this concept of God and that, you know, finding, I think Jason had touched on it at the very beginning where he talked about, you know, as becoming an adult, we all still have this child within us that, potentially sometimes often is wounded that we can care for, but it was also 
um, cultivating and fostering this relationship with this inner child that still has these amazing imaginative creative qualities that we often shun aside and forget about because we're so caught up in the day-to-day um, important things that we need to do um, to make yeah. a living or get a job or attend to the news on Telegram, as you mentioned, but without giving space to allowing that creativity to flow through. So uh, just just to wrap it up for the final yeah. part of this conversation, Jason, maybe you want to just share a little bit on that that piece with um, connecting to that that inner child within all of us. Yeah, I mean... The, the child, I mean, if we look to the child, I think one of the first things people think about as a child is play, um, innocence. Um, and there's a, there's a you know, unconventional nature that we afford to children to say the most inconvenient things that as an adult, we would probably judge them for saying it. But as a child, we look at them and laugh and, and think in that, that moment of just pure honesty and inconvenience um, to maybe the people around it's it reminds us of what we can be and if we look to our own experience as children you know there's not too many kids that say oh when i that don't say when i grow up or when i get bigger that or that are wanting to bigger that to want to be bigger or wanting to be taller in some particular way grow up and for many of us as parents, we, we've lost that particular capacity and that particular reverence towards actually pleasure, play, joy and adventure and actually having that as a part of our own life. And as we're, as we're kids, we're, we've been always told what to do. You know, it's very, you know, everyone's got their own experience of childhood. But to, to actually be able to cultivate and I know that the one thing that my son always wants most from me is, Dad, can you play a game with me? Can we play? It's all he ever wants. Whether we're driving along, we'll make up some game of, you know, not from I Spy, but any any sort of thing. And it's a made-up nothingness that we just have have fun with. But, you know, there's at times all he wants to do is play. And when us as adults don't actually embody that, it makes it very difficult for a child to actually be that and embody that. They only see the aspiration towards what we are as an adult. So it's in our... I would say one of the most critical parts of our own journey is to actually cultivate the importance and the brilliance of innocence, which leads to humility, is not knowing. But as a child, what do they do? They ask questions incessantly, consistently, and they ask them until they're complete. The problem is with parents, often at times, or even adults, I can't be bothered answering all these questions. It's just nonstop questions. I love when my, my child's asking a question and continues to keep asking, even when other people are trying to move on, they want to understand it from their own particular point, their own perspective to feel complete within themselves. For many of us, we've rushed so far forward into wanting to own things, wanting to have status, wanting to you know be something in the eyes of often, most often, our parents. But our parents only want us to be what we are in our own self, to put ourselves first. But as parents, many of the times we don't put ourselves first, so the, the message is confused. When we as individuals start to put ourselves first, when we start to ask questions, when we start to play, when we start to make time and space for that, as important as what it may be for the job that we have, we start to then create a culture and we start to create a community in our own children that start to feel at ease being a child and having a childhood and then allowing themselves to maintain the child in their own life, not as if it's some sort of rite of passage that they have to get rid of in order to become an adult and then when they get to an adult, they've made it. There is a greater amount of wisdom that I'll find in any child than because of the way in which they are open to life, the way in which they're prepared to ask questions. I mean, look to the habits of a child. Look at their focus. It's to, to be happy above all else. And some of them put themselves in such turmoil and such emotional trauma and trouble to try and capture your attention to recognize that they're not happy. They don't need medication. They don't have some sort of diagnosis. What they lack is not attention deficit, of, but it's your attention to them to be able to recognize a child in your own self to rescue your own child. 
to bring that back into your own space so that you can start to connect with the child so that they can actually maintain but not separate themselves, not leave behind the child but become the child as the very foundation of our own existence to explore, to expand and to be able to find a greater pleasure in life in every particular way. A child knows that the body is only here for pleasure. It only gets learnt as an adult about pain. Adults learn about pain and believe that the body is there for some form of pain. And they use pain as a reference in order to move forward or to take stimulation and act at any particular point. Pain becomes a trigger point. For the child, the trigger point is pleasure. Is at times the either the having of it or the absence of it. They don't consider pain. When they're riding down their bike down that hill or they're climbing that tree, they're not thinking of hurting themselves. They don't con they're not concerned by it. The amount of times that you hear parents saying, don't do that, you'll fall down. Don't do that, you'll hurt yourself. Suddenly the child starts to learn pain, learn safety and restriction because of the adult has lost the child within them and starting to project upon them all the possibilities of pain and they start to learn the body being a painful space. We've left the child behind in our life and it's now an opportunity to go back and rediscover that and actually learn how to do that and be able to embody it in our own life. It's not about working on the child. It's not about fixing the trauma that was there. It's about coming to the acceptance of that and the reintegration and bringing attention back to that most significant part of us, the beginning of what we are, the conception of what we are. And when we don't have that conception point maintained and housed within us, we're, we are like living life without a rudder, without purpose, without reason. In the hope and the search and the seeking of pleasure, when all we need to do is bring back into us our own self, the inner child as its greatest representation before it becomes adulted into this world to fit in and become comfortable with what other people expect. And to me, this whole concept of trauma it is like a sickness that's been created by pharmaceutical companies. It's a stimulation for profit. We only have trauma in our life when we are not complete in this moment, when we are not present to this moment. It doesn't mean that we deny trauma, but it's the recognition and the acceptance of it is not to fix the trauma. It is to become present and whole within this particular space at this moment, not the past. That's a loop. The more you keep going and trying to fix your trauma again and again, you'll have temporary highs. You'll start to feel good in certain points in life, but it will return and it will return again and possibly even more significantly, more powerfully and more degenerating in your own life. There is nothing that will be resolved by living your life in the past or resolving anything from the past or an assumption for the future. These particular concepts need to be broken down. They need to be destroyed. They need to be let go of. When we become present to our own self and practice a presence in this particular moment by learning to release the things that do not serve us, we don't try to be present, we become present. It is a default mechanism. And when we are present, trauma is irrelevant. Sickness is irrelevant. I would suggest that at any particular point when someone can integrate, there is no such thing as disease. There is no such thing as sickness. There is no such thing as trauma. They are conditions of our own absence to ourselves in this moment. Prayer for worry, prayer for problems that cause us to then degenerate and live our life in the past. The past is all about raising the dead. If you want to play with the dead, you're going to bring death into your life in a slow, incremental way. To live in this particular state of presence is what it's all about. And to have generational liberation, it starts with you. It's your universe, your world, your experience. It's not determined or dictated by anyone else, except if you're absent to your own space, to your own seat in life and how you want to drive it forward. So for me, all of that comes down to an individual. First, having the humility to accept, I don't know. I don't know the way forward from here. So the only solution is, well, how do I do that? And first coming to a point, well, how do I do it? I don't trust myself at this particular point. There's nothing wrong with that. That is a great awakening. That is a great level of empowerment. And when I get to the space where I can accept that I don't trust myself and expose that, well, then I will welcome all of that to me and find ways in which to move through that and develop that in my own life, my way, so that I can become 
my own student. I can become my own teacher. And when I find independence in my life, when I find love for myself, I will see it like a waterfall that suddenly comes into my life everywhere and anywhere around me. I don't need it in my partner. I don't need it in a friend. I don't need it in a community. But I then choose it from a place of empowerment and fulfillment that I created of my own being, of my own self. Boom, that's so good. I love that, um, making that conscious choice. And appreciate you sharing that, Jason. It seems we've had a few people come through on Facebook as well. Because um, you you did talk about a lot, you know, releasing a lot of these um kind of perpetual patterns and cycles that we often get stuck in. Um, and someone's just asked the question, what does releasing look like, Jason? Um, particularly like if we're letting go of the old, if we want to go in to choose our community, to choose the work, to choose what we want to do in our lives, how do we, how do we do that? How do we release more and more? Oof. I don't know. We've only got a few minutes left in this call. But yeah, no, that's re re releasing ultimately is that you break the word down, it's letting go of the way that things were. And, I mean, this is, it's a longer conversation, but we we share a lot of free resources online and, and it's our first particular journey that we take people on is releasing. We don't need to gain more wisdom or information or intelligence. It's releasing the things that are restricting what's already there. So releasing in its own self. It's about loving and appreciating the things in your life, not denying them because they're bad. When we try to get rid of something in our life because we think it's terrible or it's toxic, it will only return. It's understanding grace and what grace truly is into release. There's nothing that's good or bad. And when we get caught up in good or bad, we're going to then keep finding ourselves in this seesaw of life. And we try to release from there because we want to become good. The whole cycle continues to perpetuate itself, but Releasing is creating a space in your life that lets go of what you knew from the past. And releasing is about reintegrating with the present moment. And there's many practices out there for people to try to become present. If anyone teaches you and says, do this to become present, I would run from that in, in, a, in a very quick and a very deliberate fashion. What our life presents to us is we are already present. The opportunity is to release the things that are giving us a false sense of awareness of our own self, a false sense of perspective of our own self, and a false sense of security of our own self. Releasing is a, a, a something, look, we've got a, a very short video online. You can look at, I think it's called A Simple Approach on YouTube. Um, and that's about a five to 10 minute video. That goes into, it's a short process you could apply as a starting point, but like everything, there's not a temporary solution. There's not one way of doing it. It's about being able to move through and create a habit and patience towards your own integration of yourself. Not a pill to say, okay, here's the answer. Okay, well, what do I do? It's the habit that needs to be created. And the habit being effortless action that is integrated. So even if I was to share releasing at this particular point, I, I don't think it would be responsible in such a way of doing honour to it because it's the journey that you go through in order to maintain a level of independence in your life, not dependence on needing to know more rather than coming into what you already are. That's great. Yeah, it's so true, Jason. Thanks for sharing that. And um, I just I mostly felt to um, ask the question just to honour those who are joining us for the live. I want to thank you for listening in on this live conversation on this beautiful Thursday morning on the 2nd of June here in Australia. A nice sunny, sunny time of year, which is amazing to see the sun, blue skies in the background there, Jason. But yes. Jason's right. If you are listening, yeah, we've had so much rain, but now the sun, sun is shining. I highly encourage everyone who is listening to this, um, if they want to get you know, more insight into what Jason shares. Obviously, if you're listening on a quantum journey and also the quantum movement Facebook page, there's so much great resources already available. And um, also on Earth Heroes TV, we've got a channel with Jason sharing on a whole variety of different topics, particularly around finding freedom independence and being present to what jason has spoken to today 
Um, if you did find value in this video, I highly encourage you just to go and share it with your friends. Give us a like and um, yeah, just let us know in the comments as well. We generally do these every couple of weeks, but um, we'd love to hear more from you guys on a specific area. If there's something that's really standing out for you that you love, that you'd love to hear more on, particularly from Jason, so that we can you know, explore these concepts a little further. Um, but Jason, I want to really thank you for your time. And, and um, is there anything else that you guys have coming up recently that you would want to let the listeners and, and viewers know about? Um, yeah, I mean, we, we've got a, something coming up again called Soul Navigation, which is a three-day journey into a, a lot of what we share. And I suppose a lot of some of those questions that were asked there about releasing and, you know, a real embodiment of life. We've got that. We've um, a lot of things we're sharing through um as say the quantum journey or the quantum movement page but we've got a a whole new um community space that that is setting up for for people to really uh, i suppose have a a place that they can come to and a fertile ground to start to consider living their delusions not dismissing their delusions and that might sound like a bit of an oxymoron but so many of our own inspirations become delusions rather than actually going out and having the audacity to live them so um, there's a bit more of that, but that'll be all on those pages. And yeah, thanks for asking, Shay. Awesome, Jace. Appreciate it, man. Um, thanks for your time today. And again, thanks to everyone tuning in. I look forward to chatting with you soon, mate. Thanks, Shay. Have a beautiful day. You too, man. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode and for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed this series and if you'd like to listen to the full episode and get more conscious content online tune in to our online video platform at earthheroestv.com hope you have a great day guys and a huge love from me and see you next time